Information is foundational to our democracy. Without information or facts, what do we have? Well, that's the question we're going to examine today. And we're going to be talking about all kinds of topics from propaganda to the trucker's convoy, the inquiry into the trucker's convoy, and of course, the Coots Crossing. So please join with me with my guest, Ray McGinnis. A clear path forward requires looking back and learning. Good public policy requires human connection. It's a consideration of the facts, applying common sense, and innovation. It's urban. It's rural. It's real life. We all have something to contribute. We all have a responsibility to get informed, because there's a little piece of Canada in all of us, isn't there? Let's learn on this path together. This is Leaders on the Frontier. I'm delighted to welcome Ray McGinnis. Ray is an investigative researcher. He's an author, and he's also uh, author of a, of a great-selling book around the 9-11 Commission, among other books. And he's also someone who's a senior fellow at the Frontier Center for Public Policy, and he takes a very critical insight into the world of facts, evidence, and even propaganda. So welcome, Ray. Thank you, David. Great to be with you. Well, Ray, I'm really excited about our conversation about um, truth, and uh, we're going to be diving through some very interesting case studies from, you know, your uh, great insight and research into these uh, cases that are, are no, well known to many Canadians. But I wanted to just, uh, before we dive into that, talk a little bit about propaganda. If you think about the word propaganda, how do you describe it, Ray? Yeah, it, it's it's putting forward a narrative based on half truths or out and out lies. Uh, it often often to uh, propaganda involves uh, pushing a story in the news, which is shocking and confusing and even traumatic to, mm -hmm. uh, to the readership or the viewership, and uh, and and then people, ordinary citizens, get quickly hooked. Uh, into the drama of that of that narrative, and mm -hmm. then um, because of the emotional fusion with the story, are not able to detach from the story they're being told to step back and say, "Hey, wait a minute, what am I being told?" Like the the ability to scrutinize. I mean, if propaganda is done well, the ability of the average citizen to scrutinize what they're being told and to sit back and question the narrative is almost almost evaporates because it's so people feel uh, scared, vulnerable, uh, frightened, um, uh, angry mm -hmm. at, at the at the the target uh, that's being accused of being responsible for the terrible story in the news. Yeah, well said. So why? Why should we care about this issue, Ray? When you look at all your experiencing experience looking at uh, these kinds of quote case studies of of lots of propaganda and a lack of truth telling, <laughs> why, why should a Canadian citizen care about this? One of the hallmarks of democracy is you know it's free speech uh, and and a, a a vitalized citizenry. Citizens need to need to ask. The tough questions, uh, and 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 I would say that there was a time in Canada where the media did that job well. There was uh, a willingness on the part of the press to ask the pertinent questions and to not shy away from them, and and they often they would get the good answer you needed to hear in order to uh, to feel good about your government. But it seems now what we have is uh, is a media that's that's 
compliant, that's, uh, that's, that's cautious, that doesn't want to rock the boat. You know, we, we, need, to, we need to change our habits about how we uh, digest the news because we need to not simply repeat what we're told, but we need to, we need to watch it. We need to step back and observe and, and to be able to, uh, to, to have important kitchen conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, we end up being um, a, a nation of, you know, Stepford Wives or something where we're just simply um, on automatic pilot yeah. uh, and, and carrying around unexamined premises mm-hmm. that may not be true and that could cost us even the, the kind of democracy that we, we've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right on, Ray. So I did want to turn to um, our first case study, and that's a little bit about reflecting on the the trucker's convoy. Uh, That's certainly been a long story. There's been a lot told about it and reflected on it. And I'm really curious about um, if you can briefly summarize some of the chronology and about how that developed in Canada from your perspective, from kind of a historical point of view. How did the convoy start and what happened? So it, it, all, it all kind of begins uh, with, uh, with the lead up to the 2021 September election. Uh, in the United States in August, uh, the Center for Disease Control Director Rochelle Walensky conceded on an interview with Wolf Blitzer on CNN that actually the new vaccines didn't prevent infection or stop transmission. And you know, so it would be left for individual people to, to go ahead and get their vaccine if they think they need it or or not. But then all of a sudden, our prime minister decided in late August of 2021 that uh, that anybody who didn't get a vaccine was an anti-vaxxer. They didn't have a right to uh, to get on a plane or a train mm-hmm. or, you know, or cross the border and talked about, uh, you know, do we tolerate these people mm-hmm. in, during the campaign? And so that kind of rhetoric then just sped up over the fall and people were being told you may not be able to buy groceries uh, in, in different maritime provinces uh, and, and so on. And mm-hmm. so then um, in the kind of run up to building up more and more um, uh, kind of <laughs> uh, affect in, in, the, in the general public, in uh, November, the government, uh, federal government decided that they were going to uh, require all truck drivers that drive alone in their cabs uh, that if they were going to enter Canada, that they would have to uh, be vaccinated. When Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland was on the uh, stand at the Public Order Emergency Commission on the 24th of mm-hmm. November of last year, she was pressed about 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 the you know why the truck drivers and and she conceded that really they were trying to get the truck drivers, like let's make sure the truck drivers have to be vaccinated as a signal to other Canadians who are unvaccinated that they need to get vaccinated. Mm. This was, this was a, uh, like a strategy to mm-hmm. signal to other unvaccinated yeah. people they need to get vaccinated. And, and there was uh, you know, stories on CTV uh, uh, demonizing the, the protesters, you know, suggestions that they were white supremacists and racists and, mm-hmm. And hillbillies and insurrectionists yeah, and so on. So there was a, a decidedly clear decision made by the government at the time to portray them, uh, to demonize them. And so we did want to show a little bit of a clip here. And it was interesting that CBC made a suggestion about who their foreign funders were. So if we could go to that clip. I don't know if it's far-fetched to ask, but, but there is concern that Russian actors 
could be continuing to fuel things uh, as this as this protest grows, but perhaps even instigating it from from the outset. Well, again, I'm going to defer to uh, our uh, partners in the public safety, the uh, trained of, uh, officials and experts in that area. What I can tell you is that uh, we do have the police resources on site right now who are watching the conduct of this convoy very carefully and who are providing direction and guidance to uh, residents to ensure uh, that there is um, a peaceful protest, uh, but at the same time, uh, providing direction and guidance to residents uh, and, and obviously it's important that Parliament continue to function. It's important that we uh, provide essential services to uh, to Canadians and those uh, in the area. And all of that will continue on the strength of the advice that we're getting uh, from police and other partners in the public safety apparatus. This is not a convoy that is about freedom. If, if we want a gateway to freedom and getting back to normal, we need to continue to get vaccinated. That, that debate has been had and is settled. It's been settled by evidence and science and data. And we'll continue to follow that in order to get there. Wow. So that's uh, kind of the epitome of the message there that, that I see, Ray, is um, the message was essentially, as I, as I picked that up over numerous times, is if you, you've got to get vaccinated and if you don't, then you're against freedom and there's no other point of view here. Is that kind of the, the central message that you picked up in your research, Ray? Well, that's part of it. I mean, there's there's the uh, the, the, the thing the CBC uh, with its report about Russian actors being behind. You know, if it had not been for Russian agents in Canada suggesting, whispering in the ears of truck drivers in in Medicine Hat or mm -hmm. or Swift Current to go to Ottawa, they'd be staying in the you know playing you know in the in the, in the bar somewhere. You know, so. Uh, and and the, and the CBC ombudsman um, reprimanded the, the the CBC in October of 2022, uh, saying to the to the national broadcaster that they have a responsibility to their to their viewership, and that they need to report stories based on evidence. And here there was absolutely no evidence to support that allegation. So where where the heck did that come out of Ray? Is there any revelation as to why? journalists would wade in so readily about Russian funding of all things. It's, it seems so absurd. I, I do not know why, why, uh, why you would have that. I mean, there, there was, uh, I mean, there was uh, uh, indications that there was likely going to be perhaps, uh, and there indeed was by the 24th of February or so, a war between Russia and the Ukraine. So, so maybe, maybe this was just one of uh, mm -hmm. a number of, of 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 things to let's let's um let's blame Russia for this uh, you know I, I I can only speculate is nonsense yeah it's it's utter nonsense so the the convoy picked up speed it came to Ottawa um, we found out that on the ground it was uh, remarkably peaceful um, and in fact if you think of a, an incredible team of people from Bridge City News actually went to Ottawa. They decided to make that that decision to go to Ottawa and see on the ground and report from there. It was fascinating from my perspective to see the contrast from reporting from mainstream media that tried to kind of portray the 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 convoy as as um, well as violent as as uh, unruly. Um, whereas when Bridge City News reported it, it was stunningly peaceful, and they went after the good, bad, and the ugly stories, and so. Uh, one of the assertions in that clip there was that somehow 
that, um, you know, the, the, the truckers were up to a lot of really bad things like stealing people's food and things like that. When in fact, that wasn't the case, was it, Ray, on the ground? No, you have you have a lot of hearsay evidence. I mean, the story about uh, uh, truck drivers stealing food from uh, the Good Shepherd shelter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean contrast with what's happening on the ground, you have uh, many Ottawa citizens actually going to see, well, what's this protest mm-hmm. about? Uh, the, the protesters are are overwhelmed with the de- generosity of people bringing food to them. They don't need to go and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mug anybody to get food because they're being brought and brought pizza. You got oodles of food on site, so so there's no need for that. And and the uh, the reports of, of police, the Ottawa Police Service, the Ontario Provincial Police Intelligence Unit, mm-hmm. uh, their estimations were the shocking lack of criminality. Um, you know peaceful. It's like a family event. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, there were thousands of children, especially swelling on the weekends when they would have like as maybe as 18,000 people, you'd have several thousand children who, who would be there and uh, playing with you know snowballs, hockey, large Lego, uh, bouncy castles, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very peaceful affair. Um, and the reports around violence, I think, were fascinating as well. Um, those didn't really have any basis uh, of fact either. They were, were they all made up? What, what, what's your research tell you on that one, Ray? Well, during, during the length of the protest, before, before the day that, that it got shut down by the mounted police and others, uh, I understand there were four or five people in downtown Ottawa who arrested for assault. But those seemed to be concurrent to the protest and not by people who were protesters that were assaulting anyone Mm -hmm. because uh, I mean, like Tamara Leach and, and others who, who've been arrested on mischief or charges or, or counseling mischief charges are, are the poster persons of, of, you know, who are hitting the, the, the the headline news. Mm -hmm. If there, if there was somebody who, who had assaulted a police officer in Ottawa, we would surely know the name of that person mm-hmm. and they surely would have been charged. It would be the, on the front page of the Ottawa citizen and every other newspaper coast to coast. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't anyone who was a, a, a protester who, who punched a police officer. And also you have uh, all of the protesters that had to sign a code of conduct, uh, be, you know, before, you know, at, you know, once they arrived and if they didn't agree to it, they had to leave. And, and you also have block captains uh, who are in in constant contact with the local police to make sure that I mean if, if the police knew of anything uh, that what you know that, that bordered on criminal activity of, of any kind they were to call you know former army captain Tom Morazzo or a number of other people mm-hmm. right away but mm-hmm. Tom Morazzo says he never got phone calls about about any kind of of criminal behavior and 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 uh, the intelligence unit OPP uh, staffer Patrick Morris said uh, he was shocked by the lack of criminality. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. So you have that kind of information facts regarding the convoy, and in the meantime, there's another narrative. You used the word narrative earlier to describe propaganda. So I want to play a clip from from the Prime Minister um, about that. Canadians were shocked and frankly disgusted by the behavior displayed by some people protesting in our nation's capital. I want to be very clear. We are not 
intimidated by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless. We won't give in to those who fly racist flags. We won't cave to those who engage in vandalism or dishonor the memory of our veterans. So there you have it. There's a kind of, a, again, another summation of a narrative that portrays the, the convoy as, um, frankly, a bunch of racists and violent and, and thieves. So what's your take on that? What was going on there? Why would the prime minister speak in those terms that wasn't really based on fact? It didn't appear to be. Well, you've got uh, all of this uh, narrative about, about you know, the, I mean, the, the flag, like the, the Nazi flag. I mean, I listened to uh, a former CBC, Globe and Mail, CTV, long career in, in the press, uh, Rodney Palmer, testifying before the National Citizens uh, Inquiry. And he was walking up and down the length of Wellington Street and other streets in the center of, of all of the protests, never once saw a Nazi flag. Mm-hmm. And yet this one Nazi flag ends up being, uh, you know, what what the prime minister focuses on. But it just seemed uh, too convenient that this, that this would be the story. And it's simply uh, the story that we were hearing in the mainstream media just doesn't add up compared to these live on the street reports. And uh, under testimony on the 25th of November at the at the commission in Ottawa, uh, commission staff asked Prime Minister Trudeau, you know, when when he was, you know, when they were they first thinking about invoking the Emergencies Act, and he said, well, from the very beginning. So, wow. uh, so if that's the case, wouldn't it be uh, helpful uh, if you want to invoke the Emergencies Act from the very beginning and, and are really eager to find some reason? To, to actually invoke the act and, and say that we have to invoke it because it's the last resort. We can't call in the army. We can't have call have declared a, a, a riot or anything else. Let's just go full, full on with the nuclear option. Uh, it, it's, it's beneficial then if you want to demonize the protesters as, uh, as uh, deplorables who cannot be, who, who, who nobody can talk with, mm-hmm. you know, even though, even though the city of Ottawa was having senior staff talking with the protesters and had a plan in place to remove 75% of all the vehicles by the end of the 16th of February. And wouldn't, you know, you don't need trucks to tow vehicles who've already left the bill, you know, left the block. Yeah, exactly. The, the disconnect between what was being said by Marco Mendocino and the prime minister and others and what was happening on the ground is just, uh, I mean, we have to correct the historical record because the media failed to tell the story. Well said. So speaking of the story, another part of this interesting case study, if I can call it, is the whole issue of border crossing at Coots uh, in southern Alberta. So if you could lay out a little bit of the background, Ray, what was that situation about? So there there were uh, numbers of protests that uh, that sprung up across the country at different border points in support of the convoy in Ottawa once it got established. Mm-hmm. And one of these was at the uh, Coots, Alberta, Sweetgrass, Montana border point and uh, nearby Milk River, Alberta. And, uh, and the protesters uh, had been, um, by, by the 1st of February, P- Premier Jason Kenney had accused the protesters of, of having assaulted a police officer 
And it turned out uh, later that uh, the local spokesperson for the RCMP, the Corporal Curtis Peters, said actually the uh, the altercation was between two civilians and had nothing to do with the police at all. But but never mind. Maybe Kenny was miss was ill advised. But in any event, it was another part of a kind of a, a story that gets out there that people still repeat to this day. And then there was uh, uh, a uh, four four men, two who were who were schoolhood chums, and the other two who who they had none of them they had never met together as a foursome before. Uh, uh, before the the, the coups protest, and they uh, and these four men were uh, arrested variously on the evening of the of the thirteenth of February and around noon hour on the fourteenth in Calgary, and accused uh, initially of mischief over five thousand dollars, but then by the end of the day on the fourteenth, uh, they were accused of conspiring to commit murder of RCMP officers. Wow! So these were. Very serious charges, and that's exactly during the same time as things are happening in Ottawa as well. Is that right? It is, and the story in Coots regarding the the weapons uh, that were then showcased with an RCMP cruiser behind them was sort of exhibit. Well, if you don't think that what's happened in Ottawa is bad enough, and you don't think that the the blockade at the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor, Detroit, is bad enough, well, here's Here's these people who've been arrested in coots, and it's sort of a, you know, uh, you know, it's it's our it's our uh, okay. it's our goal in the in the first period in the in the in the overtime, and we we've clearly made the case for the Emergencies Act, if nothing else, it okay. was sort of the way it presented. So we do want to show you a clip on that coots uh, blockade. Go on blocking the border crossing until all COVID restrictions were lifted, but protest organizers say this changed things. A cache of weapons, including long guns, handguns, and body armor. And these weapons were brought by people who had the intent on causing harm. Thirteen people were arrested. Most now face charges of mischief and weapons possession. Three have also been charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Our message has been one of peace, peaceful protest, and to keep that message strong, we felt the best decision was to move out. As protesters left Coots at a second protest camp near Milk River, police took names and collected information. Still under investigation, who brought the weapons to Coots and what was their intent? Yeah, so to be clear, Ray, if those weapons were uh, taken under custody, custody, they would be carefully um, bagged up so that you could protect any DNA evidence on, on the weapon itself. Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, I, I've, mm -hmm. I've listened to uh, Donald Best, who's a former Toronto police detective and sergeant, mm -hmm. and he talks about how how precariously the guns are leaning against the the the, uh, the table. I mean, one bump and a whole bunch of them would fall to the ground. It seems to him, and I agree, that it's more of a photo op mm -hmm. uh, than, than a serious way of of handling crucial evidence yeah and so it, it's just see it, i mean contrast that with what was done with uh with the with the with the, sh the shooter of uh, of multiple people in nova scotia a number of years ago mm -hmm. and the rcmp took months before they released any photos or display of any weapons because out of a concern of forensic integrity so in this case we're going to keep our eyes on that uh case uh so i i think you bring a healthy skepticism and uh a research to bear on these. So my question to you, Ray, would be what are policy changes that need to happen so these things do not happen again? 
um, and what can citizens do? Well, I think that we we need to have, um, I mean, as far as the Emergencies Act, we need to have really solid checks and balances regarding um, what uh, what consists of an emer- of a national emergency. Mm-hmm. We need, you know, I mean, before a national emergency happens, if it's the last, if it's the Emergencies Act is the last resort, you have to already have been able to show that the police have declared a certain uh, uh, protest, a riot, and they weren't able to handle it. Uh, you also need to be able to show that you've already brought in the the army and they couldn't handle it. And then you declare a national emergency, perhaps. Right. Uh, and and you also have to be able to 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 have uh, politicians be held accountable for the for the cat- catastrophizing statements that they're making to the press. I think that we as citizens need to practice media literacy skills. We need to pay attention to the stories in the news, the headline stories that grab our attention. If if we are feeling especially emotionally pulled in a, in a strong way by a story. We need to say, okay, I've noticed I'm feeling scared or agitated or angry about this mm-hmm. story. And then we need to give ourselves a, a task, which is to say, okay, I've just finished watching the CBC or Global or CTV or reading the Toronto Star, the Edmonton Sun, and I feel the following things as a result of their report. Mm-hmm. But now I'm going to assign myself a task, which is to find out in the next week or two what any other sources of of media out there are saying that provides a different angle, a different slant. Not necessarily that that other media source will be something that I decide to land on as definitive either, but at least to allow myself to grapple with some contrasting points of view. Otherwise, we are simply held captive to... um, to narratives, uh, to to uh, to shocking stories in the news that may not be uh, being brought uh, to the fore and 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 told to us uh, out of the best democratic traditions, you know, because unfortunately human beings, including those in leadership, sometimes want more power, and and sometimes more power for them means less power and less freedom for us. I think it's very well said, Ray. It's um, we need critical thinking more than ever, and and the truth does really matter. So I want to thank you, Ray McGinnis, um, a senior fellow at Frontier and uh, re- investigative researcher. We're so glad that you could join us today and talk about propaganda and also uh, in the age of of 2023. Well, great to be with you, David. A pleasure to be part of Frontier, and and thanks so much. Thank you for watching Leaders on the Frontier. We're a nonpartisan think tank. We explore ideas, policy, and practical solutions that can make a difference in the lives of Canadians. We do not accept any government funding. We work for you. Thank you for supporting Frontier. Visit fcpp.org to give. While you're there, be sure to check out our latest articles and research. Without open discussion and debate, you're not thinking, nor are you free comment below. We'd love for you to join the conversation.